and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're going to be talking about a nutrient today, boron. It's a super important nutrient for your crop. You need some all through the season. But around this time of year, a lot of folks start asking many questions about boron. Hey, I'm running out or my tissue tests are showing I'm a little light. Uh, we'll talk about that, that nutrient on today's program and how to manage it on your soil all season long. Uh, Brian, we got a few mailbag questions that have come in as well. We could tackle those or we could start talking a little boron. Well, let's talk boron first because it's really important. And here's the biggest thing, or let me call it the biggest misconception out there about boron is most when I bring up boron to most people they use this word toxicity they go oh well wait a second isn't boron toxic well look everything is toxic if you use the wrong rate put it on in the wrong place at the wrong time so don't get worried about boron we've never killed a crop using boron and we've tried <laughs> so I, 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 I'm not that concerned Here's the number one thing you need to know about boron safety. In the soil, it absolutely interacts with your calcium. And as long as you are not exceeding 1,000 to 1 for the ratio of calcium to boron, you should be in pretty good shape, at least from everything we've ever seen. So in other words, if let's say you have 4,000 parts per million of, of calcium in your soil, you could have 4 parts per million of boron very safely in our experience. And the big thing and where we run into problems with boron potentially causing an issue is the super light sandy soils if you put too much on in one shot. So that's why a lot of people that have sand and irrigation, they talk about throwing a little bit of boron out, foliar feeding. But quite frankly, if I had irrigation, I would throw a tiny rate of boron in every time I went across with some water. I'd throw a little bit of nitrogen on, uh, a much smaller amount of sulfur, and an incredible amount smaller of boron. So you don't need much in the plant, but it's tremendously important, especially when you get to flowering in pretty much any crop. So, and let me just give you one quick example of where this could be something on your farm. If you go out into your cornfields here over the next month, and you see the corn ear didn't fill out to the end completely, a lot of people are immediately going to say, well, I just planted it a little too thick, and that's why we didn't fill it out to the end. I should have planted thinner. That's possible, but it's also possible that you just flat out did not have enough boron in your plant when the plant needed it, and that caused the issue. So here's the next thing. If you have really heavy soil, you need to treat boron a little bit differently, and I just want you to think a little outside the box compared to what everybody else talks about. Because most people are going to say, oh, throw a quart of liquid boron in with your pre-emerge herbicide, or throw a quart in foliar, or whatever. And I'm not saying that's wrong. You can do that. But the challenge in heavy soils and without irrigation is you don't know when that boron is going to be around, how long it's going to last, anything else. So here's where I'm going with this. If you foliar feed boron, sure, your levels of boron in the plant will be higher for the next week, maybe even two weeks, but that's probably it. Well, is that going to cover you for the whole season? No way. No possible chance. So where we've had better luck is we're throwing dry boron out in the fall. And keep in mind, by fall, that would be the same thing as many people talk about for early spring. 
because what I mean by that is we freeze up shortly after we put the boron on in the fall, and then as soon as the ground is thawing, we're planting in the spring. So there's really no change. Nothing's going to move. Nothing's going to degrade. Nothing's going to happen with that boron. It's literally just sitting there. But anyway, when we put dry boron out in the fall, then that breaks down kind of slowly over time, and we have much better levels of boron in the plant throughout the season, and the dry boron is very inexpensive. So again, I'm not saying it's wrong to go with a little bit of liquid boron. We still do tiny amounts of liquid boron too, but to fix overall soil levels, um, that's where the dry boron is nice. Now, you're not going to want to do that in super sandy soil. If you've got a three cation exchange capacity, boron's leachable, so it's not going to hang around very well. But in our heavy soils where you have 20, 30, 40 CEC and the ground's frozen almost half the year, it's not going anywhere. We found it sticks around for multiple years. It should be fine. Yeah, boron is definitely misunderstood. And a lot of the, the learning that we've had has been, all right, let's read about it. Let's talk to some experts and then let's try things out on our farm. So we've tried a lot of different rates, different timings, different products. Uh, it's definitely been a, a focus for us over the last 10 years. Boron's been a nutrient we've looked at really hard and, and learned a lot of lessons on. So one we had from a few years ago for our research lead, Glenn, we had him put on a whole gallon of boron. Now, that's not actual boron. I'm talking about a gallon of a liquid product. And it burned the heck out of stuff. And so the reason why so much got thrown on is it's like, oh, my goodness, this plant is incredibly deficient. Let's try a really high rate and see what happens. So, yeah, we increased the boron level, but we also burned the plant a lot at the same time. And so we didn't really have anything for yield gain. So we have to be a little bit careful when we're using boron because, again, too much, sure, it can be toxic. It could kill the plant. It could injure the plant. So just be careful. Don't, don't go with super excessive rates. I'd way rather have you put on small doses several times than one big rate one time because then you have a lot better chance to impact that plant throughout the season. When it's just one time, again, uh, we when you're putting on some liquid, we only see results for a week or two. That's about it, where the boron level is higher, then it goes right back to where it was before. Yeah, it's really been interesting just watching boron and looking at plant tissue tests, looking at soil tests over the years, and just seeing how things change. Obviously, we've been pretty dry in our farm the last few years, so we haven't had a lot of movement out of our heavy soils with boron at all. But even in the years where we have had some moisture, it's been amazing to see just the some of the things that you've heard out there, like Brian started off with, with boron toxicity and you can't hold boron in the soil, those types of things we've found just not to be the case on our farm with heavy soils where we farm. And we'll talk more about boron with some farmers and experts across the country on today's program. We'll also be taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. When nematode pressure mounts, seed applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference from early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield. Impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Elite Grower. Don't delay. Contest ends October 31st. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Learn more at newfarm.com USST. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hardworking Lucento fungicide. 
control the toughest diseases with a dual-mode-of-action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucinto Fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com for hard-working control in your fields. Always read and follow all label directions. Are you ready? We got the need! The need for seed treatment! Start your engines! Ready, set, Intego! Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Our topic today is boron, but our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD if you have an agronomic question. Let's start off by going to the phone lines. Get Gordon up in Michigan with us right now. Gordon, good to hear from you. How are you doing? Doing pretty good, Darren. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. You bet. Um, I got two questions. The first one is with regards to uh, applying potash. And I'm just wondering, I know you said it, you know, potassium does leach somewhat, uh, obviously, in low CEC soils. Uh, is, it a, is it enough of a concern that you would advise not to apply it in the fall for next year's crop? Very unlikely. Very unlikely. Uh, and okay. I, I guess we, we talk to a lot of folks with low CEC soils that say, you know what, even though it does move, it takes quite a bit of water to make it move. So normally where you're at in Michigan, you're going to freeze up eventually. So there's going to be several months there where things are frozen up and, and you're not going to have any movement at all. I'm not too worried about it in Michigan. And, you know, for the guys in the south, a lot of folks will say, well, if I put a cover crop out there, I can hold things a little bit better. Or uh, if I'm raising a double crop situation, obviously that changes the game too. So, yeah, I, I think you can put it out in the fall where you're at. Okay. I I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> um, second question, a while back, uh, you folks were doing a program on manganese, and uh, Mr. Kinsey, Neil Kinsey, came on, and he mentioned how a lot of times when you do apply a, a calcitic-type lime, it will tie up any manganese that you apply. And there again, it's kind of a similar question. I mean, should we avoid applying manganese the same year we apply a calcitic lime? You know, that that is a, a great question and a great thing to be focusing on that when we put out a high, high dose of anything, and calcium is a great example, when we put a huge dose of calcium out there, it absolutely can tie up not just manganese, but, but other micronutrients as well. So yeah, it's something to think about. I know Neil had talked about every time you put out 
a calcitic lime, I mean, you're generally doing it once every three or four years at the most. So once you put that out there, you're going to have to replace a bunch of other nutrients. To me, I look at it like this. On our farm, if we have the ability to band close to the row or in the row, I think that's a great solution for this that, all right, we tied up some of these nutrients out there. Let's put them in the most available spot so my crop can pick them up easily and quickly during the season. So that would be one thing that a guy could do. If you said, you know what, I'm going to put out uh, high calcium lime and in the same spreader, I'm going to throw a bunch of different micros. That's where I think you're going to have obviously the worst response. So anything different than that is going to lead to varying degrees of success. If you said, okay, Darren, I'm pulling the crop off. It's October 1st. I'm putting the lime on right away. Could I put on a you know, a micronutrient blend in the spring and broadcast it. Yeah, you can. I think the the calcium that's going to react quickly has then had time to tie up to something. I don't know how quick that tie up process happens, but if you just give yourself a little bit of a gap there where, Hey, I put that on October 1st, I've had several rains, we've done tillage. We got all these things going for us. Can I put my micros on later in the fall? You probably can do that too. But if you did it in the spring, I know for sure you're going to be in a good spot. Do you think with time, would that, uh, I'm assuming it would not, but would the calcium, you know, kind of release the micronutrient that it tied up or is it pretty much a permanent thing? That's a good question. And I don't have the, the perfect answer for that one, but my understanding from what Neil has said is just kiss that goodbye, put some more out there and, and move on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like your idea of the year that you do apply the lime. It'd probably be wise to ban your micros with your planter or whatever. That, that does seem logical. If, if all your micros in that band, it's less likely the calcium is going to tie it all up. So, yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, thank you very much. Awesome. Well, thanks, Gordon. Good to hear from you. Yep. You too. Bye. Bye. Set down a little further south in Michigan. Got our friend Chad Henderson on, works with the Extreme Ag Group, and of course farms with the family down in Alabama. How you doing, Chad? Oh, doing good, doing good. Are you back where it's cool now after a warm Ag PhD field day? Man, I come home and I, I felt, I, you know, I went up there and, you know, uh, I've got to where we've been up there so many years, you know, it feels like home when we go up there, you know. But uh, it definitely felt like home when we got up there when it was 90, 90, what, 98 or 97 degrees up there field day. Oh, boy. Yeah, that was that was our hottest one. So we, are, we aren't normally like that. But uh, for that year, uh, yes, it, it was. And we probably all should have been in the Morton Center in the afternoon. It was much cooler in there. So I brought my son along for the first time, and he really enjoyed it. You know, kept talking about it. And he said uh, – he asked me what to pack. I said, well, one year I went, and we like to burn up. The next year we went, we all bought all the hoodies they had. So you guys <laughs> just don't ever know. Oh, that's for sure. Okay, let's, uh, today's topic, boron. And I know you get a lot of questions about boron. I'm sure you did at field day, too. Uh, I know for, for your soils and your crop rotation and the seasons you guys get, it's a little different than managing it up here in the Great White North. Yes, that is, that is correct. You know, and, and people have asked me a lot of questions, and, and I've made a lot of mistakes, you know, with boron and learned a lot, you know. Um, we've run the numbers up real high if you want to talk, you know, tissue numbers and stuff like that. You know, we've run the numbers up high before. And, and then all of a sudden we've held them down. And, and so now, I guess it, now where I'm at in the stage of my boron game, what I like to do is address the boron and run the numbers where I think I need them to fulfill what we're trying to do in the plant at that juncture. 
you know, at specific times. Because with our soils, it's like the guy was talking about, y'all was just talking about without the calcium and, and the micros, you know, you got to build it when you can build it. You know, just like you was talking about, you know, we're going to place them, you know, with a planter or with a strip till, you know, where we can fix zones instead of having to fix the whole ground. Right, right. Yeah, that that is a, an interesting way to look at it because they aren't giving away boron. It's not like, oh yeah, we can just throw a whole bunch out there. It isn't going to yeah. cost us anything at all. It's it's an yeah. investment. We want to see a return on investment. And you know, as you look at different crops like corn, for example, a lot of folks will say, well, I really want to make sure I've got boron available in those reproductive stages. I want to make sure I can fill that ear out to the end. I want my pollination to go well. But we do need some boron along the way too. That's, that's correct. You know, we'll put a little boron out early. And, and, you know, whether we do it in, you know, if we're spreading our dry blend and we put out, you know, a quarter or half a pound out of, of a dry boron, and then, or either we'll come back, you know, and, and do that and right after the planter. You know, sometimes we put a little bit with the planter on soils if you, you know, it's something that I don't have the boron up in, if you can, if you could ever have it up in, you know, in the soils. Um, but, you know, we'll put it out a little bit then just to hold the number. When you get the number up, it's easier to hold the number up instead of just saying, well, I'm going to wait, wait, wait until I get to V10, and then I'm going to try to slam it and have a 25 or 30 number, you know, fork headed into pollination. You know, when you, you look at those boron levels on tissue tests and, and on soil tests, what are some alarming levels that you see on your own farm? When you hit, when you hit that low, you say, oh, my goodness, we got to get after it. Well, you know, if your tissue testing is like my tissue set, testing, by the time I hit that low, I'm just talking about it next year. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, I mean, we kind of know, like you said, we're going we're gonna to put a little bit out early. Whether if we're in a strip till, we're going to have a little dose of it according to how close the planter is. Okay, if we're, in the, if we're putting out nitrate, you know, we're going to have a dose. Of, we're going to keep trickling it in because it's so leachable and it'll get away from us. So we're, we're always on that you know, quart-type pint to a quart-type rate on every pass. I'm going to have it in. And we're going to, let's say if you want to talk levels, you know, we're going to hold it in that, you know, 9 or 10 number. And then we're going to try to run that number up as we need it, you know, in the plant. But but I really like to say in the double digits, you know, as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, easier said than done sometimes, no doubt about yeah, that. 100%, 100%. Do you have more trouble in corn or in soybeans? Oh, corn for sure. Corn for sure. I have more trouble in, in corn holding that number up, you know. Yeah, it's uh, it's the same soil, but just a different crop, a different uptake pattern and those types of things. And, you know, with that corn root system, boy, it's got to be more efficient pulling it in. That that probably doesn't help us either. we got to definitely feed those crops as we go. Uh, we're talking with Chad Henderson here. Chad, uh, we're out of time, but thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Thanks for coming up to the field day again this year, too. Enjoyed it. Wouldn't miss it. It's a great event. Thank you. You bet talk more about boron and also take your calls and questions as our show continues 844-44-AG-PHD. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions.
Corn rootworms are called the billion-dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Steward EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. Choose Steward EC Insecticide from FMC. Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y in his last will and testament, Robert has bequeathed to his only heir and devoted caretaker one-third of his house, a third of his truck, and a third of his beloved dog, Mr. Bo here. Uh, excuse me, I'm, I'm a little confused. Don't settle for a fraction of what you deserve, especially at harvest. Yield your best with Veltima fungicide's proven plant health benefits and revolutionary application flexibility. One-third of a dog. Right. Get everything you deserve with Veltima fungicide. From BASF, always read and follow label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about boron. And we get a lot of questions about nutrients, rightly so. NP and K get quite a bit of the attention. And sulfur, it gets a lot of attention too. But I would say one that's probably fallen into fifth place is boron uh, for the most questions that we get. And certainly there are a lot of different micronutrients you can focus on, but this is one that, that leaches fairly easily. And it seems to be growing in importance where, where growers are noticing, you know what, I am short to boron and on a consistent basis. So it's one we wanted to talk about today. When you get to this stage where you're in the reproductive phases of growth for corn and soybeans across much of the country, uh, certainly boron gets to be a nutrient that people want to focus on. And then, of course, heading into the fall fertility programs, growers ask a lot of questions about that. When can I put this on? Is there a way to build it up in my soil? So that's our discussion. If you've got questions, again, our phone lines are open, 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Matt Swanson out with us right now, farms over in Illinois and beyond, and works with the Extreme Ag Group. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing just 
Just fine, Darren. How are you? Well, pretty good. We just had Chad Henderson on, and it's clear Chad must have an ownership stake in uh, boron plant somewhere because he said he just puts it in every time as he goes across the field. That seems to be the easy way out. Uh, are, are you the same way, Matt, where you know every time I go across the field, I got boron, or is it, no, we're going to pick and choose when we're going to apply boron? Well, to make to to make fun of Chad, yeah, he he does uh, he does like his boron. I'm pretty sure he does own a stake in, in U.S. borax. Um, but I would also agree with Chad that you know nearly every field, at least you know once the growing season starts, nearly every pass is probably the way to go, unless you're handling it heavily in another pass. Yeah. Okay. Talk to us about that because you've got a lot of different soil types that, that you get a chance to farm. It's not all this beautiful Illinois ground that's four feet deep black soils. Uh, what do you see in your heavy ground? Are you able to build it? And if so, what's your strategy? We we have not been able to build it consistently. Um, so we have just kind of fallen back on a, on a two by two or a broadcast application of boron um, consistently throughout the season. And and like Chad, I would say that, you know, we, we like to use some, at least some boron in every pass. Because, you know, a lot of people concentrate on the, on the reproductive benefits or reproductive function of boron. But boron is essential in moving nutrition and, and energy and sugar all, all over the plant to new growth. So um, it would be a mistake to, to concentrate it purely for the reproductive season. You know what? I'm glad you said that. And that's one point that when, when I get boron questions, I, I say, well, you know, you need some of that all through the season. So often growers say, well, just tell me about the reproduction. I, I, I've just noticed I'm tipping back on my ears and I'm really short in boron. And my agronomist tells me that could be part of it. But I, I, I liked what one thing that Chad said. He said, well, if my levels are down to that way below my minimum, uh, I'm already thinking about next year because this year we've already lost it. So I don't want to discourage yeah. anybody and say, well, you've already lost it. But if this is the only time you're going to apply boron all season and you've been low all the way through, you probably have lost it, right? Yeah, you, you've probably, you know, you've probably dropped the ball a little bit. And, and to be honest, I don't know that I've seen for a guy that's not watching and even some that are applying some boron, you know, I don't know that I've, consistently seen a tissue test that's anywhere close to where at least i feel it should be and and without hearing chad's interview i suspect chad's number is probably higher than mine so um i i would say that if you're listening to this there's a good chance you're deficient born probably yeah yeah if you're thinking about it uh you probably already know where you're at now for us we have been able to build it in our soils. We, we just, uh, granted, we haven't had any rain hardly the last three years, so we haven't really been challenged, but uh, we were pretty yeah. wet the couple of years leading up to that, and we were still building. And that's one of the things I think as you go north when your ground's frozen for half the year and you got 20 CEC soils with 4% organic matter, you, you got a little different situation there than, than the guys that are farming single-digit CECs. Do you, do you notice something different on, on all the crops that you're raising? I mean, are there – obviously, corn is certainly a, one where we see a lot of challenges with boron. Do you have other crops that you'd say, well, this crop I'm really struggling as well? Well, I mean, soybeans are no different. And and I say that because soybeans are also heavily dependent on calcium. And, and I kind of think of calcium and boron as, as cofactors, right? Calcium has an antagonistic relationship towards boron, um, but also you need both of those things. You need 
to build your plant infrastructure to move nutrients and sugars all over the plant, you need both calcium and boron. And the higher your soluble calcium levels are, especially in the plant, the higher your boron levels are going to need to be to offset that. So, you know, it's not uncommon for me to look at a, a tissue test from a really high-yielding or, or national-winning grower and see boron levels that are 60, 70, 80, 90. And I don't know about where you're at, Darren, but most of the tests I see from the average farmer are sub-10. So um, we definitely have some work to do. And, and anything, if you're moving sugar around a plant, boron is a, is a necessary uh, nutrient in that, in that system. You know, you mentioned that, and and I know Chad had thrown out that number too. If you're not in double digits, you're in trouble on boron. If you're pulling a plant tissue test, but to say okay, 25 or 30 parts per million is usually where we see. Wow, we had great results if we were in those yep. levels. But to get to 60 or 90 parts per million, uh, that that seems like you've applied boron on every leaf <laughs> all the way up to to well, get to that. In my mind. Yeah, I would call 25 kind of my lower cutoff. Um, anything below 25 is a definite application. But again, we're using kind of that calcium number as a gauge. So, you know, if I've got a tissue test that's over one or one and a half on calcium, then, and depending on what our production goal is, but our boron levels are going to have to be elevated beyond that. But in my experience, anyway, you know, boron is one of those things where you're, you're good and then you put like the next half gallon on and it jumps up on you. I mean, it, it can be a pretty dramatic jump once you hit that equilibrium point, if that's what you want to call it. So, yeah, it doesn't seem hard you know, you to get, get the boron in. Then, like, to, to your point there, it doesn't no. seem like it's hard to get the boron in at all. Yeah, once you get to, you know, say 35 or 40, you put another gallon or pound of boron on, you may be shocked how high that number jumps on your next tissue test. Brian started off the show by saying the number one myth on boron is this whole boron toxicity thing. He said, I don't doubt that you can kill plants with boron, but we just haven't at usable rates on the farm. We've never gotten there. Have, have you gone too far with boron? I have. I do know someone that has that both you and I know. Um, I would say that that number on a tissue test is well over 150. Um, so if, if you've got to that level, and that was an accident, uh, it was actually a, a failure on the part of a tissue test taker, but um, that number is very high, and I don't know anybody that's, except for maybe Chad, that's putting on anything approaching that level. So, Yeah, I think, and I love this, and I've heard David Hewlett say this before, and I've heard definitely heard Kip Cullors talk about this before, that, you know what, at some point you just have to push it too far to even know where that limit's at. So, yeah, I appreciate you throwing that out. It's Like I say, it's not, oh, yeah, we did the whole farm like this and the whole farm died or something like that. I mean, that's that's a a rate and an application volume that, like I say, it happens in a mistake. It doesn't happen in a, oh, yeah, I just decided I wanted to spend $100 on boron per acre in this foliar pass. So, uh, you know, those things are fun to learn from, though. I agree. That's why we always want to do those big trials like that on a small scale, just in case something goes wrong. Well, ours was five pounds of actual boron that we put on a broadcast application on the soil in the fall. And Brian was all set to do that on my ground, as you can imagine. And I said, no, let's try that on one of your fields just in case, because I'm not, I'm not all in on that idea. And it happened to be our highest yielding field that next year. So you never know. Sometimes those things actually work out. Well, like I said, I mean, that, the boron is a crucial part of, of nutrient transport. So if, if you are deficient, you're going to see 
or should see a significant increase in nutrient uptake and, and, and utilization of the nutrients by your plant. Yeah, it's fun to fun to have these discussions. I know uh, we're talking with Matt Swanson here. He works with the Extreme Ag Group, and and I can only imagine the discussions that <laughs> that you guys have on the side with. Hey, here's what I tried on my farm. Here's what I tried because uh, I know I know the guys in that Extreme Ag Group. They like to do a lot of experimenting on the farm to figure out what is holding us back. What can we do to get more yield? Hey, Matt, we got to run, but thank you so much. Really appreciate all the info today. Sounds great, Darren. I appreciate it. You bet. Talk more about Boron and take your calls and questions after this. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot when we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at TrivoltInAction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma.
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. And we're talking about boron, but also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Last two guests mentioned tissue samples. We'll certainly look at your tissue samples, soil tests, uh, pictures, whatnot. You can email them to us, radio at agphd.com. Let's head out to California. Got Paul Borges on with us right now with Stanislaus Farm Supply. Paul, how you doing? Good. How are you? You know what? I'm doing quite well, Paul. We uh, we don't get rain here ever, so don't have to mow the lawn very often. Starting to feel like I'm in California. <laughs> yeah, this year we actually got some rain early on and a lot of snow, so we'll see what happens next season. Well, they're calling for more snow for you guys. At least the Farmer's Almanac came out. Uh, their early forecast for the winter is cold, cold, cold for me and uh, more snow in the mountains and in the west for you, hopefully. No, I'll take it. We need it for, for our farming. So, well, it changes. Take it. We're not going to. Yeah, you're not going to turn it away. I, you know, it does change things with boron just a little bit. If you're getting lots of rain versus if you're not getting much rain, but I guess a lot of the, the farm ground is going to be irrigated anyway. Yeah, most of it is. Most of it is around here. Early on, uh, we do, usually on most of our dry blends, we'll have some dry boron there, half a pound to a pound, depending on the soil type and what the soil tells, tell, tells us. And... Then we'll take tissue samples along the way, especially like in corn or even like in our permanent crops, the almonds, pistachios, uh, the, you know, boron is the most important thing to the flower. So the better, the better levels we have in our tissues and our soil, the more viable the pollen is going to be. And at the end of the day, well, all we're trying to do is grow that, that fruit or that, uh, that crop from that flower. Now, you mentioned that, and, and we think about that viability of the pollen, and a lot of times folks will say, well, it must have been too hot, or, well, there must have been this or that condition going on. Sometimes it is strictly just nutrients that, you know what, we ran short of nutrients, and uh, oftentimes I'll, I'll just say to farmers, hey, just go look across your whole field then, or across your orchard in your case, and, and just see, are there differences out there? Well, yeah, this part... Everything was good. Well, look at the soil sample and then compare that to where it wasn't. And boron might just be the culprit. It can be, you know, and it's very important early on in a plant's life. So uh, permanent crops in the in the before the before they wake up, try to get some boron out there with some dry in uh, corn or even vegetables or tomatoes. Make sure we have some in in the pre-plant when we go out with it because it's. I mean, it helps with. It also helps with calcium. In the plant, having good levels of boron help get, gets gets more calcium into the plant. Hey, talk and then about we have that. Other sides talk, there. Hey, hold on before you move on, Paul. Talk about that calcium thing because our last guest was talking about that a lot too, about calcium and boron and how they work together. Uh, how do you explain that to growers? The the correlation between calcium and boron. Well, in our areas around here, on uh, the guys that are short. We explain the difference between, you know, where the levels need to be on their soil test or, or tissues. And the biggest part is having that calcium number. At um, you know, Some tests, they want different parts per million or pounds. I look at, like, um, Neils. I want to keep it in the high 60s, low 70s, and the boron around uh, two parts per million. And we can see it in the crop 
in the feed value, like in silage, when we test it out, we can find out what's in the silage, uh, the crop tonnage at the end of the day. But it's very, it's, it's essential in the beginning of the plant. It helps pull cal. You'll see your calcium levels are usually a little higher when you have good boron levels with good calcium levels. Yeah, there, there are a lot of different things here that go together with nutrients. It's important to get complete analysis so you can see where these things are at and work with a lab that you trust to get you the good numbers so you know where to be. Because you were mentioning just with even the dry programs out front, we want to look at what those soil samples are and see where are we, where can we get to this year, which you've got a pretty good handle on after doing this for a number of years. Yeah, and we've learned stuff from having the places that have too much boron that in certain places, you know, we try to have two, you know, two parts per million. Some places we're okay with 2.5. So back to the calcium where it's at, where I think we were a little bit too low. Now we've kind of pushed it up to that two, 2.5 parts per million in the, in the soil tests. And we're seeing real nice production in the, in the orchards and alfalfa and vegetables and sides corn. It's like, you know, we try to fill the air out. But we've learned a lot from the guys that have real high boron. We're playing the calcium game, trying to keep it at bay. You know, when you look at boron, and, and you were talking about the flowers and the pollen and that, I mean, obviously there are times of the year that your demand is going to be high and getting things out there. Have, have you had pretty good success with a wide range of products, or would you say there's different forms of boron or different products that, uh, boy, we got to use this one or we're just not going to get the results? I found pretty good. The boron products that we carry around here, we're all pretty decent when it comes to foliar or running liquid. Uh, the dries, pretty much everybody has the same dry. Uh, the key is knowing when your plant is going to go reproductive, be ahead of it. You know, like in the trees, for example, you know, we're, we do it in the fall and we might start the first area. When we do the first application, we'll have a little bit of liquid with the liquid nitrogen. Uh, in the corn, we put it in front of the corn on a dry. Then I might run it in one of the irrigations. I'll add some boron to the nitrogen. It's just knowing to be ahead before it flowers to have it in the plant so the plant can metabolize it and put it, put it to use. Yeah, there are a lot of nutrients and a lot of things we've got to manage out in these crops. Getting the water dialed in and crops that you're irrigating is a challenge. How do you how do, you do the, the watering of the crop and then the leachable nutrients like boron? Do you say, let's get some water out there and then we'll put on some boron? Or how, how do you work that balance? Uh, most of the guys are, are learning around us. We will stretch out the irrigations for longer, not putting everything up front. You know, uh, for example, if you're running a, a system for 24 hours, we'll try to stretch it out over anywhere from 10 to 12 hours, that fertilizer application, so it's not passing the roots going too far down. If it's sandier, it's later in the irrigation. If it's heavy ground, usually around the middle of the irrigation will do it. And that's why we use the dries because it will leach out. But the liquids, we can hit these little spots with them. And then some of our really standing sand ground, we'll add it to the foliar spray. But most of the time we can hit it with the dry early, then put it in a water run somewhere with the nitrogen and uh, get pretty good, decent results, get numbers on, get decent numbers on our tissue test. And like the almonds, we actually judge how we did at the end with the hull sample. So when they shake the trees, we'll go back and take hulls, 
send the lab and tell us what's the boron in the hall, and we'll kind of judge where we are with our boron levels. Yeah, there's a lot of little tricks here to get this done. It's not super complicated, but depending on your management system and your crop that you're trying to raise, uh, changing things up a little bit, so a little bit of trial and error, but also working with a, a consultant that's been around that, that knows how to get this done is super important. And we've got one here, Paul Borges with Stanislaus Farm Supply out in California. Paul, thank you so much. Really appreciate all the tips. Great to talk to you again. All right. You guys have a good one. You bet. You too, Got Robert in Illinois with a question. I think we had just enough time, Robert, to get your question in before the break, and then then maybe right after the break we'll get you an answer. How are you doing? Okay, doing all right. Uh, doing some second uh, spray on fungicide on corn, okay. and um, so I've got basically all of my quality products. The jugs emptied out, but I've got scraps of this and that. I got some Headline. I got some. Uh, Zoxystrobin, you know, some generic stuff. I got some headline amp, got a little bit of Veltima. Are you aware of any, and, 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 uh, I think recently on one of the TV shows you've advocated or basically said a guy could make his own, you know, three way mix. Are you, are you aware of any issues with any of the, the products not mixing or being um you know causing some damage on the corn other than like my headline amp i know that it does not need to go on beans at all um sure just wondering what your thoughts were okay nope great question and certainly a lot of folks are finding themselves in the same boat here as we get later on in the season hey i got several different fungicides left over can i mix them all together in the tank what do i need to watch out for Uh, we'll tackle this question from robert in illinois coming up right after this insects have reigned since the dawn of time adapted to their surroundings Experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. 360 Yield Saver pays back fast. Hi, Greg Souter from 360 Yield Center. For a 12-row corn head, harvesting 2,000 acres of corn, you'd spend $7,200 on the yield savers. Those replacement gathering chains cut header loss by 80%. With today's corn prices, the grain you save will pay for the investment of 360 yield saver in less than 600 acres. This crop is too valuable to leave bushels in the field due to header loss. Put that extra grain back in your tank with 360 yield saver. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot 
Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're talking about boron on our show today and also taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And just before the break, Robert from Illinois. I don't know if you were peeking in our shed, Robert, but we've got the same problem. It's, we're at the end of the year. We've been spraying fungicide and different things out there, and you end up with partial jugs. And if you can get rid of a bunch of those partial jugs in a positive way, using them up out in the field, that's awesome. And what we end up doing a lot of times on these fungicides, and you're right, we've been talking about this, that you can buy pre-mixed three-way, three-mode-of-action products, and that's awesome. No no problem with that. They, they oftentimes come with a premium price. And so we've talked about on our farm, you know, sometimes we buy a two-mode-of-action product and mix a single mode of action with it. We haven't had any trouble with that. We've, we've had good luck with it. We just look at there are three main modes of action with fungicides, the strobilurins, which would be your headline and your azoxystrobin that you had already mentioned, uh, triazoles, and SDHIs. And so when you look at a product like you mentioned, well, I've got Veltima left over. Well, that's a strobe and a triazole. And he said, I've got headline amp and, and hey, we're in the same boat. But if you've got some uh, that is a uh, a strobe, and you've got a straight triazole, yeah, you can make your own two-way product like that. So, you know, there's a lot of things you could do. Yes, you could definitely mix these products up. Uh, you just have to follow the labeled rate. So, for example, with Headline, if the maximum labeled rate is six ounces per acre, uh, maybe you've got uh, a product that has a low rate of Headline in, and you can spike that up so there's four ounces more of of headline in there or three ounces more to get it up to that full rate. Just don't exceed any labeled rates on any of those products. So um, I, I don't have much, but I got a couple of quarts of Lucento. I figured I could follow into the Darren and Brian. Yes, thing. exactly. Some headline, headline into that. Um, sure. Would, would be one of the things. Yeah. I, w I wish I had couple of gallons instead of a couple of quarts. But, <laughs> well, you have uh, a Zoxy. You could use the Zoxy the same way. We did either we did either Headline or a Zoxy and mixed it right in with Lucento. So for, for anybody who's not familiar with Lucento, it's from FMC, and it's a triazole, top guard, and a new SDHI called Bixofen. So you've got those two ingredients, and, yeah, you're just adding a strobe to it. Now you got a three-way product. Your, uh, your reasoning on the, the Lucento and uh, along with the with the strobe, is is the two active ingredients in a Lucento, are they pretty much state-of-the-art, or one of them really new and the other one's 
They're they're Not both fan, they're both fantastic. I love Top Guard uh, as a triazole. It's one of my favorite triazoles. I love the new Revisol that BSF has. It's in Veltima. I think that's fantastic too. Uh, but yeah, I, I I love those two active ingredients in Lucento. And then yeah. if you said, all right, I have some headline, but I don't have a huge amount. Maybe you put headline out at like a half a rate, mixed in with those other two mm-hmm. at full rates, and run with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just quickly, I, I heard uh, before the break there that you were the subject today was boron. I've got I've got some leftover boron. Our our corns at R three, and most everybody's saying we had an application on the first fungicide spray of essentially I think a, a quart on most of it and a pint whenever we got down low, kind of stretched it out a little bit. Um, would would there be any point at all? Would I be wasting it if I if I used up my leftover boron on corn where it's this far along? No, I think or you just, should do it. I, I can go out and put it on beans as far as that goes. Yeah, you could do it on either one. Maybe maybe you say, you know what, on beans we're still flowering, we're still uh, pollinating all those things, that maybe you got more of a shot for a return on investment there, but you could sure use it up on corn too. If you say, I'm all done bean spraying, I, I just want to use it up on corn, I, I wouldn't have any issue with that either. Well, I thought... I, I know some of the high yield guys that kind of, you know, with some late apps were, you know, kind of when they're pouring the coals to it, uh, the boron was still going on. But most of the, the labels on the, some of the the boron companies is kind of like they're, they're wanting return on investment. So you 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 know you're back next year, and I, I get it that my return may not be great, but uh, but anyway, that's a question I had. I sure okay. appreciate you guys. I I hated I missed the field day this this year. It was kind of like. That was that was a down day for me. I, I felt like you get you know I didn't miss the heat. No, no, you didn't miss that heat at all. I'm sure of that. But uh, but yeah, it was a fun day. And you know, even in the mornings, uh, even even there, we had the hottest field day we've ever had. It was still really nice up until lunchtime and uh, real pleasant to be outside. Yeah. So, but yeah, hopefully we'll see you next year. It's July 25th next year. If you want to mark that down on your calendar I, too. And. I hope to see you at Princeton later on this awesome. month. Awesome, yeah. Uh, yeah, that'll be fun. I plan anyway, to be there the, on the 25th. Yeah, looks like a real good meeting. So Awesome. Well, thank okay. you so much, Robert. Thanks very much. You bet. Right, bye-bye. Let's head over to Minnesota. We've got Ben Ice with us right now to talk a little more on the boron topic. How you doing, Ben? Good. How you doing? So. Pretty good, pretty good. All right. I know a lot of farmers bring you on the farm and say, all right, Ben, help me out with my soil sampling program. Help me out feeding my crop. And uh, you often are talking about calcium. I've heard you time and time again, guys say, well, help me out with the boron thing. And you're like, okay, let's talk about your calcium first. So talk to us about that. Why is that calcium so important for you? Well, the biggest thing is I like to see on the base sets on the soil test a minimum of probably about 60 or better. Um, boron can get toxic at the rates we're applying. A lot of people are just doing foliars. That's not as, that's not very much at a time, but when you start putting one to two pounds of actual boron out, um, on a crop, you got to be careful. You don't have, you know, where the spreader crosses and now we got four pounds actual, you could have some white corn on your hands. So anyway. Yeah, if we're below 60% on the base saturation calcium, we really want to watch out. And one thing for us, too, we, we look at uh, parts per million on the calcium and figure we need at least a 1,000 parts per million if we're going to build our boron up to 
1% or something like that. And uh, that's usually not a problem for us. We've got pretty high calcium soils, but I'm sure you run into calcium levels all over the board. Yeah, they can be anywhere down into the 30s up to the 90s, depending on which soil and which state we're working on. Correct. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. So talk to us about this boron thing. And, and you, you say you've got guys that they can get carried away. So do you start low and work your way up or how do you do it? Normally we start with guys, just, you know, starting with like, you know, spreading like seven pounds in their spring spread. And then some guys will come back once we have calcium's above, you know, 60% base that we will look at even doing a top dress. If guys are top dressing, with the dries or we'll be putting solubor or another liquid boron form in on the side dress for the corn. So, Yeah, a lot of different places where you can put boron out there. And the fun thing has been, we were just talking with Robert over in Illinois about mixing in different things. It seems to be one that, that's pretty friendly in a lot of the tank mixes too. Yeah, you can put boron in on just about every pass. You can put it in your herbicide passes. You can put it in just about everything. So, um it works in a lot of places. So it's just, we got to get through germination with boron because alfalfa, corn, things like that. They really love boron when they're really young. And if they hyperaccumulate, that's when they'll take up too much boron and kill themselves. But the rest of the year, once the plants go and it can handle quite a bit of boron. So, you know, when we get a little bit into the season, yeah, you've got more rapid growth. You've got a lot of function happening there where nutrient demand is pretty high. And that's a good tip that if you don't get too carried away right off the bat in season, uh, obviously we can handle a lot of nutrients. Um, you look right now, we're, we're towards the end of the season here where soybeans are in full bloom and putting on some pods. A lot of folks talking about that. What can I do to keep feeding the beans? Have you found boron to be one of those keys to yield? Is it nitrogen? What What are some of the late things you like putting on beans? Well, if you can, you know, depending on what your limiting factors are from your soil test, I mean, boron's a good one, but looking at a lot of ones, I like boron for a lot of reasons. I like boron for its... Uh, helping the calcium move throughout the plant, um, making the sugars higher. Um, I like seeing a little bit, I know you guys have a product that's, I think it's a micro 1000 with a little bit of cobalt and molly. And I like to have that in the, in the plants too. So if we have any excess mineralization from any of these rainfalls, even though we have drought areas, um, we can, we can metabolize that extra nitrate and get it converted over to ammonia with that molybdenum that's in there. So, and just just keep feeding it because it'll you know and then if you have liquid potassiums are great too so I love it. We got Ben Ice on with Ice's Soil Restoration based out of Minnesota, but he consults all over. Uh, ben, great stuff there. You pulled out cobalt and molly. I love it. We don't talk about those enough on the show. So thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Good luck to you here the rest of the summer. All right. Have a great day. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Always have fun when we open up that boron conversation. It's great to hear uh, what folks all over are doing to manage this nutrient that can be a little leachable, and you can overdo it in some situations too. Well, thanks for listening to our program today, and be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.